I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week, we are finishing Aww. our arc looking at Godzilla <laughs> with 2016's Shin Godzilla, directed by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. And this is... We, there's been a lot of arcs we've done that I've really loved what we began and ended with, but this is like the perfect ending mm. for the Godzilla arc. Cool. Um, but I'm curious to hear, Carlos, why did you pick this one? Yeah, so this is, I mean, as far as Japan goes, the country where Godzilla came from, this is the latest film pretty much up until a couple months ahead of us. So um, yeah, this yeah. film came out in 2016. And it's it's lumped in with the Reiwa era, which is the new era of uh, in Japan. And um, I believe the Reiwa era officially starts in 2019. Um, but uh, similar to I forget what else we oh uh, Biolante, uh, we talked about that with the Heisei era. It's it's a similar situation here. So um, when Shin Godzilla began development, we were in a, a dry spell um, after. The Millennium Era, I mentioned Godzilla Final Wars, and we had gone more than a decade without a Godzilla film in Japan. And in 2014, there was the legendary Godzilla, the Monsterverse films. So those were big budget Hollywood uh, takes on Godzilla, and that's still continuing also. So we're in a time where there are two kind of concurrent operations going on yeah and uh that's kind of exciting too and i i think that this film is also a situation where we have a a visionary director that wants to really kind of put his own take on what uh what he feels is important and what's maybe not important about Godzilla. So I think it's it's a really exciting thing. And over the years, it, it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed for a long time. And uh, when it came out in the States, there was actually like a, a, a limited theatrical run. And I was able to see that when it came out. And it was really kind of impactful seeing it in the theater with a lot of Godzilla fans, because it was one of those uh, fathom events where uh, it's very, oh, sure. you know, yeah. tailored to a certain audience. So uh, definitely yeah. everybody that was there was already kind of they didn't have to be convinced of something like this so uh what what i do think is interesting about this film is that uh the director here hideaki Anno, and his co-director shinji higuchi uh they come from kind of a different pedigree i would well shinji higuchi uh he worked on those gamera films that i'd mentioned those really amazing heisei era gamera films and he was special effects director for those films and Hideaki Anno really built his career in animation. Uh, that's not to say that his passion wasn't solely that, because very quickly in his, like, it's almost like a fan becoming a professional. Um, <laughs> uh, early on, he would do some tokusatsu stuff. So um, Hideaki Anno uh, very notably played Ultraman in a kind of a fan short film called Return of Ultraman that's kind of separate <laughs> from the Return of Ultraman show and um i think we mentioned the daikon films shorts from uh the daikon 
convention. Uh, I think we mentioned yeah, that in Project Aco. I think. Yeah, yeah, because it's the similar era. Yeah, in the kind that. of same vibes going on. But yeah. um, so he was, he's kind of like elite when it comes to like Japanese nerd, like the <laughs> echelon of Japanese nerds. Sure. And yeah. um, he's become uh, quite the professional uh, nerd in Japan. And um, I mean, much notably uh, beyond these things that I'm mentioning, uh, Evangelion is an anime series that had uh, such a huge breakthrough, not just in Japan, but in in the West as well. And that totally. kind of anime boom in the 90s, uh, uh, you couldn't really get too far into a conversation without having that show mentioned and i think it's it's rightly so it's it's become a really cool thing to see kind of what people thought of it when it came out and now what people think of it it kind of vacillates from a meme to like a serious conversation to like (laughs) this kind of like heady kind of which i could totally see for this film too yeah yeah agreed and um that's i mean that's not to go into it but that is a cool kind of balance that the this movie pulls is that it is it's very serious in some cards but it also it's it's not afraid to get a little silly with it and Mm. to have like a little bit of fun in the middle of the kind of intensity right Um, which which is like which is like evangelion because evangelion it uh it goes between like body horror and existential dread but also there's like a penguin mascot <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> you know so some robot fights and stuff like that yeah you know, and, com- and teenage antics yeah exactly so i i do um i'm a big fan of hidakiano and i've been a fan of his for a very long time and um it was really exciting for me to see that he was kind of given this um, you know, property. Oh, sorry. Well, we're thinking about Evangelion. <laughs> the only time that I've ever gotten an email regarding me pirating stuff was whenever I pirated Evangelion. <laughs> nice. Only time. Oh, I've been yeah. downloading stuff for years, but I, I got it literally like a couple of like a couple of months before they announced it was gonna be on Netflix. Oh sure. And I got an email and I was like, whoa, uh. okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I'll pump pump the brakes for a little bit. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, and and Evangelion actually is pretty closely tied to Shin Godzilla, not just in the stylistic approach in the film, but I'd also say like um, Ano himself had talked about. I mean, he he was in the middle of doing these films that were called the Rebuild of Evangelion. So there's a series of four films that's. Uh, in the broad sense, it's retelling the story, but it's also kind of him revisiting a a story that he made when he was a growing person and now kind of reflecting on that and changing it accordingly and that's really exciting too but um these films were a huge stress on his life and um mm-hmm. after he did the third film he was kind of in this spot where he felt like he was in a basically painted into a corner and mm-hmm. it was at sure. this time when Toho actually came to him asking if he'd like to do a Godzilla film and uh, he says that he immediately rejected it because he didn't feel like he was strong enough to do something like that but after he thought about it and after they had mentioned that Shinji Higuchi was also interested he um, he took on this project and it was more than just like hey I'm gonna do a Godzilla film he's like no like this is gonna be like this very important thing that I'm gonna do and it's gonna really kind of reset my brain so I can do the other stuff that I want to do. So it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about 
an artist and the struggles of an artist and um almost like to have like a side project to kind of help reinvigorate you to do like something that you're really passionate about yeah and that's not to minimize what what exists with shin Godzilla, but it's kind of cool to kind of get a little bit of insight he has this blog post that he wrote um uh just yeah, shortly that was after cool that yeah, and I, I think it's a really interesting thing, and I think that it's a really kind of valuable look into kind of his thoughts as an artist, the the importance that he felt, you know, regarding his work and what he was going to bring to Shin Godzilla. So, yeah, uh, then the production started with this movie, and um, it was like kind of in a similar way that I w- mentioned with Shusuke Kaneko's work in GMK. This is like Japan really taking back Godzilla. This is like our Godzilla and um the the producer i forget his name but um and in a pro like promotional tours they were doing the interviews and stuff and he said that toho had to stop and ask themselves what exactly is the japanese godzilla so mm. you can uh kind of like based on how you land with this film you can kind of yeah take a little criticism with that or you kind of really get excited about it and um uh, the other thing i would say is too is like hiroki hasegawa who plays the main the the quote-unquote main character of the film um he seemed to really kind of take pride more than just him as an actor being in the godzilla film but this film being kind of representative of, of japan coming together and um yeah the one the one thing we should also also mention is that this film is in a lot of ways also a reflection on the trauma that japan felt during the tohoku earthquake and tsunami and the yeah. ensuing uh, fukushima uh nuclear disaster so um we don't have to get into that too much, but it's it's you can't not as you're talking about this film. And I, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I was I mean, I was watching TV like the rest of the world when we were seeing this happen. And yeah, I've seen yeah. a lot of those images and I can only imagine how terrifying that must have been to be a part of that. But um, to see a film where you kind of are given these images in a similar way, I guess in a way you're kind of thinking about the original Godzilla film how it dealt with the images that people experienced firsthand, but also kind of giving it to kind of a popular culture package so that the world sees this in a way it's a, it's it's a very strong thing. So I do understand how this film really kind of was as impactful as it was. And, um, that's interesting. I think, yeah, I, I think it's a really kind of a cool thing. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I definitely feel of all the Godzilla films that we've, covered on the podcast but even outside of that i i do feel like this is a film that kind of really is kind of in your face about those issues but i don't think it kind of lands on a message the way that the original film i think the original film is just kind of sitting at on the top of a mountain and i don't think that really people should try to touch it and you know but i still think that you can use something like a monster movie like this to kind of address these issues. And I think it's a, it's a positive thing that people can talk about it. I think that's a really good point. You know, I, uh, I'm trying to find out, I'm trying to find the best way to say it because, uh, I really (laughs) didn't, (laughs) didn't care for the movie, but so, um, but I, I I had a feeling, I I definitely had a feeling that this was going to happen. (laughs) I think the healthy spot I try to come around to is it's like, I find it to be an interesting piece of multimedia, but mm. I just can't accept it as a movie. Mm. Um, it's like this weird, uh, and I think there's a lot of artistry there. Uh, 
yeah, I had to watch it in like several viewings because I was, mm. but, but so I'm, yeah, I, I really want to, I, I really want to try to see it with a different, um, with a different lens, but, um, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm it's, excited. It's just about a really this, interesting uh, choice in general because I guess like we're not saying is it's the movie is uh, very intentionally focusing on kind of the government bureaucracy red mm. tape as it would sort of kick off in the wake of some kind of disaster like this. And I guess maybe just for me, it's like it was not an interesting enough concept. Mm. And it's like also the the impediments the of the bureaucracy are just everything you would expect and so i i don't know i uh on paper i could maybe see something like that working but it was yeah i think aesthetically it just fell into this like valley for me where it was like not quite pushed enough where i'd want to or funny enough or scary enough and and uh i i don't know i actually think it would be helpful too for someone to just see a little clip of of Godzilla himself. Cause if you're not ready for what the look of the effects are in this movie, I think that mm. uh, I could see that being highly divisive as well. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I can talk about uh, actually real quick, mm. Marty, have you watched Evangelion? I have, Evangelion? I have not. No. And like, I, I know, okay. like I think I've admitted before, like I'm not very much of an anime person and, Oh yeah, and that's some fine. Of, some of it my really forays is, have just like yeah, not uh, not been my thing. I but. think I generally think that's those are connected. Yeah, <laughs> because I think uh, I I did enjoy the movie. I didn't like absolutely fall in love with it, mm-hmm. but I really I did like it, and I kind of like vibed with it. Because I can definitely see if you're watching this movie and not vibing with it, then you'd be like, wow, what's going on? <laughs> Why? Like, what's what's the deal? But uh, some of that is also with the um, time out, the connections to the Evangelion, the design of Godzilla is weird. It's, it's a weird Godzilla, especially at first. And it's at a first very it like, like nakedly very... shot. I guess that's the, my kind of my thing with the whole movie is it, it reminds yeah. me much more of like a TV drama look like there's, there's a lot of, I think artistry into the, like the framing and blocking, but the actual look of the video quality is like, is very kind of gray and flat. And then I think just, uh, I just <laughs> exposed Godzilla is, and it's like mostly bright daylight. There's some cool nighttime stuff, but, and I, I don't want to like knock the CG. Cause I think a lot of times the CG is like quite photo real, but still mm, yeah, weird. It's not the, <laughs> it's not the CG quality. It's just how it's shot. Sometimes doesn't yeah. work for me. Like sometimes just the, and a lot of a lot of it is how fast he moves. It feels kind of weird because, like Godzilla, like that's part of what made Godzilla so cool is that he's like this lumbering kind of thing, right? right. And seeing it move fast sometimes it works because it's like, what the hell? What's going on? Yeah. And then sometimes, it's like this feels like as dumb as it is to say that the giant monster looks unrealistic. He's moving like a little too fast to feel realistic in my head. But <laughs> well, yeah. I guess I just um, I found it to be like a very divorced piece where it was like the bureaucracy government stuff. Um, it, yeah, it just landed in this kind of um, soap opera ish place for me rather than kind of like an arch commentary. Like, it, I didn't, I, I don't know, there wasn't much commentary. That, and, and I guess. 
Yes, sorry, but it's like no, I I'm into I, it. I actually think that the uh, this, like, this is the episode, like y'all, so. like yeah. y'all mentioned, it's like the original Godzilla actually has all the themes that you're looking for, including mm. this very point. Um, but like just to my sensibilities, it was just a very misjudged, um, like well, if you cont- contour to it, because it's like I, I think I don't know if there was something even remotely unexpected about kind of the government red tape. But instead I just felt like half of the movie was shot in this office building. Um, (laughs) Again, I like the blocking and I like the actors. And then we also have these effect sequences and some of those, I I like how they're shot quite a bit in terms of some of the aerial photography and stuff, but it was a, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why, I but like I, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like I, I knew that this, I, I'm excited about it because it's kind of representing what I was talking about, where I feel like there are a lot of people that really get excited about this movie, and then there's a lot of people that are very critical of it also, and uh, as I was kind of, you know, really, I mean, my first initial reaction was like, whoa, this was like crazy, and, and also, like I said, like, Hideaki Anno, me being a fan of his work for a long time, I was kind of ready to like it, I guess, in a way. Yeah, and, no, that's good. And stylistically, a lot of the way that the kind of conversations play out and the way that they handle kind of introducing characters and some archetypes are very similar to what you would see in something like Evangelion. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get how people could be very critical of it, too, because you're really kind of you're 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 putting all your chips in one basket with this kind of political kind of it's it's kind of a take on like how people felt like the government handled certain aspects of the situation after uh fukushima and the the tohoku situation and um i get that but also um yeah like you were saying the original film if you really i mean the reason that you can really use the original film as a touchstone here is that uh, in this Godzilla film, one, they use a lot of the original music and the original like sounds yeah, yeah. come from the original film. And Hideaki Anno being a fan of these things, you immediately get the sense that he's really kind of trying to call back to something like that. And two, in the film itself, according to the plot, there was never a Godzilla. You know, all the other Godzilla yeah, films, at yeah, the very yeah. least, would use the 54 as kind of a, a touch point. Yeah, it's, even if they did a reboot, it's usually yeah. 54 Godzilla this happened, happened once, yeah. and then nothing else happened, and then yeah. this happened. And I, I like know, that's what GM, yeah. that's, in, that's GMK, right? Yes. Isn't that, yeah, and yeah. it's more than that, too. A lot of the Millennium films and uh, some yeah. of the Heisei stuff also kind of uses that, you know, at least as the starting point, like 85 and and stuff. But um so I do feel like it's a very valid thing to compare this film to the original and uh where I think that something like that could fail is yeah the the characters here. So um I I remember us talking about with the original film how you've got basically three acts where the second act really culminates in a huge special effects set piece but the third act is really a character-driven thing, and um, you're not really given that in this movie. You're kind of given, like, 
I don't Hasegawa uh, playing Yaguchi, the the, the main like politician. Yeah, all the yeah. all the characters in this film are politicians for one thing. Um, so um, including but, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but um, you're also kind of like. I'd vote for him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Godzilla for president. Did I mention that on the podcast? Well, anyways, during when Godzilla versus <laughs> write Megalon, him in, folks. Write yeah, him in. When write that was coming in. out in the states, they did a little kind of subversive Godzilla for president thing because the Democratic National Convention was happening in New York, so they no. actually went to the Democratic National Convention and they had like Godzilla for president pins and oh, stuff, which is great. hilarious. But um, yeah, I feel like you're kind of really leaning really hard into this kind of political intrigue and kind of the uh, play of like a government trying to respond to a situation. And then you also get a sense of the creator's kind of, I guess, political views too, which we don't really have to get too much into, but basically it's kind of like an out with the old in with the new. Cause like in this film, all the older politicians are kind of pushing back against these younger characters at first, but then once push comes to shove and uh you know all the scary stuff happens the you and some of them die yeah the the younger <laughs> characters are the ones that rise up to kind of yeah take charge and kind of are the future of japan so um there's a little bit of that going on too but um yeah you're it's, you're yeah, you're the, missing those kind of really character driven emotional aspects of surviving something like that because they do they do well, kind I of think dwell something on... like this could work, but it's like if you are going to put so much of the focus into the bureaucracy, that has to be as interesting as a Godzilla mm. action story. And it just isn't mm-hmm. like yeah. um, if 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 I were to pause the film early on, it's like, OK, what do you guess would be kind of the political conflicts internally? Like you'd guess it all. And it's like mm. and then you're just kind of sitting through or at least. Yeah, I don't know. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that's that's, that's fine. I, I I I mean, for me, it worked. For me, it like I kind of it was like kind of almost hypnotic seeing it go from like thing to thing, and like mm. they're saying about what press conference they need to do, and and yeah. there's the one old guy that his solution to everything is to have a press conference. Yeah, yeah. it's stop um, this which, meeting and go to another meeting. <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it is really neat because. It's always interesting seeing um, media coming from a certain, you know, a certain culture, and it all seems to have a similar voice. And then to see another one come in that's critical of that voice, because a lot of stuff we see coming out of Japan is like your, you know, the button down, you know, hmm. doing a press conference, the, yeah. you know, the bowing to apologize and all that stuff. And then seeing this movie that's like, no, that's actually going to get more people hurt than if someone just does something. Yeah, um, and yeah I guess I'd it's, almost it's just love to, to see like to a see that, yeah. like a Terry Gilliam-ish, like really askew, <laughs> like really pushed Just really bizarre. And, yeah. and um, yeah, like I said, for me, it just landed in this kind of valley that was um, a bit, I guess, a bit soft. And, mm. and I, I, th- mm. I do think there are a lot of great ideas here. And, and even from the opening, it's like... Um, really cool like cinematic conceits that it feels like the movie is kind of dismissive of or something it's like it's like oh this is this could be a really juicy scene or i guess i guess not yeah <laughs> like um yeah i don't know there's an interesting like editing tempo uh that um yeah and it could be that 
there's something about that tempo that uh is maybe more yeah more familiar to other kinds of anime or something i i don't know um, I, I see that, and, and we've mentioned the connections between Eva and Shin Godzilla, but I, I really think that that would truly be a fault if you need to be familiar with Evangelion to enjoy what you see in this film. But I do think that as an artist and somebody that's making media like Hideaki Anno, um, you're kind of, you're, you're noticing like a style. I would say- in, yeah, That's in, that's more what I meant. Yeah. It's like if you're, yeah, if yeah, you're not fine. if you're not into Ava, you're not going to be into this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure, I, I would. Sure. I mean, in a, I guess in a similar way, you could mention like a Tarantino, where it's like some somebody that really like knows a lot about these things that they are enjoying and they are creating something in reflection of it. And mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of that in here. I would say it's not. It's in the front of the film. It's not as in your face as something like you would see in a Tarantino, where you're literally like just riffing off of it's scenes like, yeah, from it's other like, it's stuff. It's like a collage like, yeah. of, of film scenes. You could, yeah. it, like, as a fan of Tokusatsu, as a fan of Godzilla, and uh, seeing this film, there are things that you see, you're like, oh, that's from this, and that's from that, or this sure, character sure. is named this because of that, and we'll get into mm-hmm. it as we we talk about the film. But, yeah, the, the other thing I did want to mention, too, that we talked about a little bit is Godzilla itself so yeah this take on godzilla is so drastic and um actually because this film was so successful in japan toho really took on like you know the image of this godzilla so like as far as replacing statues of like just throw some sunglasses on it cover these (laughs) eyes up in some yeah (laughs) yep but i mean i'm i'm kind of into it because i i just feel like this is a situation where I always want to see different takes. Like I want yeah, to see a yeah, different totally Godzilla. Different. The Monsterverse Godzilla looks different too, and some people hate on that one. I I think he's sure, kind of cool sure. in his own way. Um, there there should always be different Godzillas. Like I don't want right, Godzilla right. to look the same. And it's really cool to me that they let Hideakiano go this far with an idea like that. And actually, um, in pre production, and uh, if you look at like the all the concept art, they wanted to go even further. They actually. We're having an idea where it would be like the reverse of what we see in the film where Godzilla would start off looking more familiar and get more far away from that. That's a really cool as idea. As the film goes down. So, yeah, it is kind of interesting. And I do think that um, here you see kind of like these different forms and it's it's shocking, but it can be shocking in like a funny way. It can be shocking in a like a scary way when you see this first form of Godzilla like arriving. Well, it's the second form, but arriving on land with these big buggy eyes and then wondering what what capacity does this creature have? And as you're seeing it play out and this kind of disaster rolling forward, you're like, oh, well, how bad is this going to get? And then kind of they're p- kind of playing on your expectations with with that. I, I don't know. I get a I get a kick out of that. I, I don't know. It's I do really enjoy the film, but I do also can I can see how people could kind of bounce off of it too. So I glad I'm glad that we have different perspectives today. I'd also say that my wife loves this film, and this is oh, like cool. probably okay. like yeah that that second form the the really bug eye kind of hunched down yeah. like crawling one yeah yeah she loves. She loves. They they call it Kamata Kun because uh, they gave it a nickname in popular culture. They call him Kamata Kun because that's where he shows up. And um, 
we we have a figure of him. I have a little keychain <laughs> of him on my car. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of fun stuff. And it's kind of like this, he's so weird and ugly, but we love him kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally get that. Um, so um, Joanna and I have really enjoyed this movie many times. So, I mean, it has a... It, there, there's something about it that it does have kind of like a big wider appeal that I, I'm really happy that a Godzilla film can land that way on a world stage. But um, it, it also seems to be like a one-off thing. Ano, like very shortly after, said, well, I don't think Toho wants to do anything more or, oh, I, I don't want to do anything more. So um, now we see that there's this Godzilla minus one that's coming out that seems to be another separate kind of thing and um i do feel like maybe with this new godzilla film that's coming out there's more more of a traditional looking godzilla that we're probably if if this film is successful we're probably going to see series carried forward with this Mm -hmm. minus one whatever it is whereas shin godzilla kind of stays off in its own little corner and godzilla minus one just to briefly divert to that Really, it's a really interesting idea because we've seen it a couple of times, but not as many as you'd think, where it's a genre movie that's also a period piece. Mm. So, sure. like, it, it is a Godzilla to Kaiju movie, but it takes place in the 40s. We've seen that a little bit, but the era that the genre almost always takes place in is the 1980s. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's cool to see like different approaches like that. But like there was um, like prey from that was last year. Oh, that's a, you know, it's a predator movie, but it's, Oh yeah. I've heard that's terrific. Like, you know, it's a, what what is it? The Shawnee or it's a a native American tribe in the back then times. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's in the past. Such a good, but it, But it takes place with, you know, with aliens and stuff. And that's a really cool thing. And I, I don't have much excuse to talk about it, but I really love it. And I want everyone to know about it. Um, <laughs> have you all, are you all familiar with the, uh, I guess it's kind of a graphic novel, Superman Smashes the Clan? Oh, I've heard of it. Oh, yes. yeah, I'm aware yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. Yeah. But it is a Superman, it's a Superman comic that takes place in the 1930s because it's based on a, a Fleischer, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Fleischer episodes. Um, and, but it's, it was written like 2019, I think is when it came out, but it takes place in the thirties. Yeah. Cool. And Hey, editor Matthew here, Superman smashes the clan is actually based on a radio serial, not the Fleischer cartoon, though it's definitely very inspired by the Fleischer cartoon. And it's based in 1946. It's not like a flashback. That's just when it takes place. Mm. And I love, I love stuff like that. And I feel like it's not. Uh, super well explored yeah which with, without getting to too far away i when using predator as an example the whole kind of idea of predators visiting earth and they i don't understand why it's taken so long for them to start approaching different eras because you could literally have predator arrives in the Qing dynasty or predator or, oh yeah you know you do and, it anytime and we we saw the parody the fun parody zatoichi versus predator and like yeah yeah, yeah. such a cool idea well, like why don't you just keep doing that and hopefully with mm-hmm. the success of that predator film there there's yeah. more of that but yeah no i, t- I totally so agree. real quick Prey takes place in 1719, and it's the Comanche. Yeah. So, yeah. Dude, awesome. Yeah, it's a good time. But yeah, okay, here we are. Godzilla. Different people <laughs> like it different ways. That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, That's okay. or don't all, like it. All That's different. also it's all, good. We're all beautiful melange, yep. so. Yeah. No, um, I, but yeah, well, well we, we can dive into the plot and take it kind of a little fast and loose, because yeah. we've, we've done a lot of good discussion, I think, so far. I agree, so. yeah. 
Um, but we'll take a look at the back of the VHS or the Blu-ray, maybe. <laughs> An unseen horror rises from the depths of Tokyo Bay. Japan's government struggles to find an answer to an escalating disaster. The unsettling vision tracks its way through the city unchallenged, leaving a wake of sadness and destruction behind it. A group of upstarts devise a plan to stop this new monster while navigating the red tape of bureaucracy. But the darkness that awaits is far greater than anyone can imagine. Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi bring you a new reflection of a nation's trauma. What can Japan do to survive such an unmeasurable nightmare? This is Shin Godzilla. So yeah, we'll we'll play fast and loose because I, I I joked with Carlos before that we could get really bogged down with the details of it, which is ironically kind of what the movie is about. Yeah, about I think we should just not read off the down. entire like um, government protocol. We could, yeah, we could read off each of yeah. each of the people in the cabinet, each of their positions and stuff. We can and have a meeting to discuss the movie. That's true. We could have a meeting to discuss the movie and then have a press conference to discuss what we discussed in the meeting about the movie. <laughs> uh, I do feel like the first... I don't know. The first act, act and a half for me. It's like the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I think it's kind of exciting. It's a like kind of exciting mm-hmm. ramped up pace to see, uh-oh, something's happening. Uh-oh, it's getting bad. Oh, these guys are messing up. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it does, it does a cool thing that a lot of, I've seen a few movies do where it basically start like you do kind of see it, but it basically starts right after the initial event mm-hmm. actually occurred. Right. And right. like, you're just jumping into it. And it's like, Oh, something's happening in the, in the Bay. What's happening. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. The, the, yeah. That's how it starts as we see like a big, uh, some kind of event. Well, the very, very beginning is on a, on a boat. Yeah. And that becomes way more important later. Right. Uh, yeah. And, the, and again, it's like, that's that. Yeah, that's the sequence where I'm like, oh, this has so much potential. I'm riding with it. And um, yeah, anyways, I'll <laughs> no, the, stop the, myself from repeating the, things. No, it's cool, man. They find an abandoned boat, and the, the boat is called the Glory Maru. And that in, in itself is an Easter egg. So um, in the I original... Was watching it, mm-hmm. I was like, I could try to find all the Easter eggs, but I'll bet Carlos <laughs> will have it all, and I'll just go off of him. Yeah. <laughs> because... Because the amount of people that I see in this, and I'm like, that has to be a cameo <laughs> that I don't understand. Yeah, there's a bit it, of that in the film. The the Glory Maru that I'm mentioning, this boat, um, in the original Godzilla film, the first boat that gets destroyed, um, kind of riffing on the, uh, the real-life accident where these fishermen were radiated by uh, an H-bomb test. Um, in the Godzilla film, it was called the Eiko Maru. Eiko translated to English is glory. So you're seeing a nod to the original film immediately as the film begins. And I yeah. I would say even more sooner than that, because there's two Toho logos that you see as the film begins. <laughs> one is the modern at the time logo. And then the other one is the kind of yeah, the old school old 60s yeah, that was really cool. type of Toho logo. And yeah. that's another thing where it kind of feels like a Tarantino-esque thing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's thing of the, the Shaw scope. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, as this crew checks the boat, we get an incident in the water and there's some type of explosion or eruption. And we also see that there's there's the Tokyo Aqua Line, which is I don't know if you guys knew about this, but it's crazy underwater 
tunnel that runs right under this Tokyo Bay area that we see, there's a like a red liquid that's pouring into it. So we're mm -hmm. having the government respond to an initial crisis that they don't really understand. But very quickly, you're starting to see that there's more to it than that. And um, some people have like footage of maybe they're seeing a creature. And um, we're introduced to Rando Yaguchi, who um, is a politician here. And um, he's in the middle of these meetings where they're discussing what this could be and what this the response should be and he chimes in saying that i've heard that people are saying that this is a sea creature a giant yes yeah, I, I saw a tiktok that yeah. there's a big monster under the water yeah. yeah it is fun to see kind of the social media side aspect of of what a mm -hmm. disaster like this would would be too so um very quickly they're like uh that sounds crazy dude stop yeah <laughs> don't don't say and then they turn on the tv and see a giant tentacle coming out of the water <laughs> and like oh i think i think that i think the dumb tiktok you talked about actually is true <laughs> so stylistically what we're seeing here is every time they introduce one of these politicians you're seeing the text of who they are and what they do and um this is like kind of a stylistic thing that you would see in evangelion and um, they're using this here kind of as a joke, too, because you're seeing all these politicians and everybody's chiming in. And um, I would say that there's kind of a core cast of maybe four or five main characters, but there's literally a cast of like, I don't know, 300 people because there's all these huge meetings and, you know, everybody that has a line will get their little lame displayed. And I, I wanted to share the Japanese version with you guys here because in the American release that was released by Funimation, there's a Blu-ray um they eliminate all that text all that text is gone oh interesting yeah and there's just huh. subtitles so like anytime there would be like a stylistic like kanji for a person's name that's not even appearing if there's a location that's also not appearing they'll just use that with the subtitle so i can appreciate from like this the subtitle perspective that it's mm -hmm. um because it, is this like a fan what what we saw is this does yeah, this have so like I, a fan sub origin yeah this is the japanese uh release of the film with some uh fan subtitles okay gotcha that because it had it had fan sub and this is a this is complimentary i promise it had fan sub energy yeah because yeah, like, that, like it dedication would, it, to detail and, yeah. yeah yeah and it would explain like this that's what this thing means mm -hmm. or that's what this is a reference to yeah, yeah. like key you in on like geographical yeah. and cultural markers and stuff yeah. Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think uh also like what you'd expect from a fan sub it's like, there's a reason that that isn't the um, sure. commercially accepted mm -hmm. style it's a lot to read and um i, th yeah. I think I, I, I could see if you're that doing a podcast the, about it then it's great <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah. but i could see even that being the argument that it's like oh my god like people are going to get overwhelmed <laughs> yeah reading this much of what's on screen and and that that feeling that you can sometimes have of feeling like you're you're sort of uh pressured into reading really quickly uh which mm -hmm. i know can sometimes throw folks off and like their subtitle experience so yeah well yeah what it's tough, also... i mean it's it's i don't know if there there really is a great solution it's but but yeah i mean it's that is a shame to kind of miss the mm -hmm. um you know one of the stronger kind of aesthetic uh like features of all this stuff yeah, I think you could put some effort into doing like a typeface that would kind of similarly represent what's shown in the Japanese. But again, like yeah, you're saying, yeah. you're coming to the point where you're going to have to read a lot more. And um, what I also would say is that when I saw it originally, when it 
we had the screening of it it had the japanese text but then when it was released on blu-ray they re- removed a lot of that and i would say that the mm, the funimation release is really bare bones there's like barely any extras there's like one kind of kind of extra where you've got some kind of fans that are kind of riffing on the movie talking amongst themselves but outside of that you don't have any extras on the american do you remember carlos if they were they translating job titles and stuff in that um fathom version yeah yeah okay cool yep so you'd see it was similar to what i'm sharing with you guys but yeah a big huge tail pops out which is considered the first form they don't know what this is yet but now they're having to speculate on what it is where it could go and uh it's quickly starting to escalate so they also see that whatever this is is now moving under the water and they're having to consult with like biologists and some people are calling out to their friends so we're starting to start we're starting to see other characters so Ogashira is like a biologist that ends up becoming one of the core team members that comes up with the solution for Godzilla in this film and um there's a little fun back and forth where she's saying that it's possible that this could come onto land. And then you've got another politician that's like, oh, well, our professional said that that's not possible. They'll be crushed under their own weight. And she's like, well, no, it's already supporting its weight. And it's like this back and forth. And you can kind of get the sense that there's like people that have their own kind of motivations to kind of get one up on the next person. And um, that's also in the midst of this bubbling up crisis so this creature that's now making its way into the river is now kind of pushing its way through and anything in its way is getting destroyed so you see this cascade of at first it's just like huge boats and it's breaking through bridges and you're seeing that spill over into city streets and these are some of the images that i think call to the um the the tsunami the the tsunami tsunami. so um yeah, it's getting kind of crazy, and they're kind of whipping you back and forth between meetings and people, you know, talking really fast amongst each other. And yeah, Yaguchi, he seems a bit driven to try to find a solution, whereas like everybody's kind of deliberating, and they're they're deliberating, and well, we can't do this if if this happens, if we use weapons we have to consider this and we have to evacuate but we don't want to make everybody panic so maybe we shouldn't be hasty on our decision so you're starting to see this bureaucracy kind of fall in on itself yeah yeah and it's also all of the anytime they like start a new like it's a new organization the organization has like a name like the emergency disaster control for giant unidentified creature conference. (laughs) And like, there's a few things like that around. And that also harkens to the, the real life thing. Cause um, when I was, I was doing some research into uh, the the earthquake and tsunami and, and Fukushima and all that. One of, one of the committees is called investigation committee on the accident at the Fukushima nuclear power plant stations of Tokyo electric power company. That's the name of it. Yep. Um, which, like, you know, hey, it, it says exactly what it is on, you know, it says what it is on the tin. But yeah, nice. It's just everything has, like, to explain every single part about what it what it's doing. Yeah. Um, if, um, I mean, if, if you as a listener are interested in finding out more about all of that uh, craziness that happened in 2011, 
There's a podcast called Great Disasters. I'm not one really for like these murder podcasts or anything too real, mm -hmm. but there's this podcast called Great Disasters where the host plainly goes through a timeline of, of what happened and how you know decisions were made that caused or helped prevent certain disasters. And she's got two episodes. One is on the Tohoku earthquake and the tsunami. And then another episode is on the Fukushima Daiichi disaster. And I think that that, I think it's only like maybe 40 minutes each episode. And those are really good. I, I, I can include those in the blog post. Oh, mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And literally the, just recently in the news is uh, them, release like they, they're uh, releasing some of like treated water back into yeah. the ocean it's a controversial thing yeah because well, yeah it's a controversial yeah, thing and there was that cause... sort of public eating of the fish mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. yeah like the mr burns blinky situation right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally like that um yeah because you can treat the water and it can remove most of the impurities but there's some impurities that are it basically impossible to get rid of and as they've been treating this water they've been storing it and they're getting to the point where they're now having to get rid of some of it just because they have so much and um yeah it's uh it's a terrible thing you know and uh what a what a huge disaster and um it it's a combination of a lot of things you know one that was just such a huge tsunami and earthquake that you can be prepared for things, but sometimes things right. are greater than you can ever prepare for. And um, but then yeah, yeah, there's also that. like the the hard decisions of how to respond to something like that. And um, I mean, we're seeing a take on it in this film. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty real, pretty crazy. But yeah, if, if you're interested, I, I highly recommend you looking into it because there's, there's a lot of uh, research that was done and it's a continuing story like you're like Matthew's saying right here. So yeah, some crazy stuff. But yeah, here in the this make-believe disaster, we've got <laughs> um, our make-believe Godzilla that's now coming onto land and we're we're revealing the first look of this creature. And I said they, they nicknamed it Kamatakun because that's where it, it reaches land. But you see these really shock. I think the first shot showing it is just such a shocking piece because you see it fully in the street and it's chasing, uh, you know, a huge mass of people. And it's just unblinking eyes and kind of yeah. wobbling around. And it, it kind of looks like a turkey in ways. And, it's like this yeah. body horror also it's wild it is and it's like like it looks like blood is coming out of its gills and it's yeah. just it looks it's real it's i think disturbing is the best way to yeah. describe it because it's like it's it's kind of funny looking but it's causing so much destruction and it's like bleeding from it it's 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 bizarre yeah. to, to behold yeah and, and i think it's like the combination of the sort of grotesque look with just how it's shot and and again like time of day location yeah it's a very it's very very unique and i could totally see mileage varying like this could totally be someone's like aesthetic sweet spot i guess um but report them to the fbi and, you didn't say yeah. it, but not marty's <laughs> yeah. that's okay that's awesome um the other thing we haven't mentioned yet is the the composer for this film so his name is yeah. shiro sagisu and also has been a collaborator with both Shinji Higuchi mm -hmm. and Hideaki Anno. So all, all the music mm -hmm. from Evangelion is uh, by the same composer. And actually, yeah. in this film, you hear a couple yeah, of cues that are 
um, kind of an updated take on some of the tracks from Evangelion, which is (laughs) a weird thing to do, but also I'm kind of into it. But the the track that you hear as Kamata-kun reaches land and this gets really serious is called Persecution of the Masses. the first bit of score in the film it, it is, is. Yep. It which is, is yeah you don't hear any yeah. music for the first almost 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie yep. yeah which i which yeah. is i mean i know it's not a choice marty likes but i think it's interesting as a choice yeah yeah i think um, it's definitely interesting i mean that i guess the issue i have with it is it's like that choice just does not seem at all congruent with this particular music choice entering so it's like what movie is it um Mm. I think that was more my experience. It's like, yeah, my personal preference would be to kind of like musically paint somewhat whatever it is you're going for in the first 15 minutes. But it's like, if this is acceptable in the movie, then I don't understand. <laughs> I kind of don't understand why this is acceptable in the movie. Kind of a thing. Yeah. As, as Kamata-kun uh, travels, he's basically going in a kind of a straight line. And um, even if there's a building in the way, he'll crawl up that building and collapse the building. There's a really great there's there's a few practical shots in the film. Most of the effects are done in CG, but there's a family like in a in an apartment in a building. And as the building topples over, you see that family kind of falling back. And that that shot looks really cool. Yeah, that's a really good shot. Originally, when the film was in development, they were planning on using an animatronic uh, Godzilla, and uh, you can see some footage of it, but ultimately they thought that it didn't match, so um, there isn't any practical um, effects used for Godzilla outside of the final shot of the film, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, yeah, it is kind of weird because Shinji Higuchi very notably uh, just took everyone like everyone loved all his work in the uh Gamera films and that was pretty much all practical so uh, um i i i i have to imagine that it's kind of a conflicting thing for him with this but i mean here we are and i, I do think some of the effects work really well and like you're saying yeah Marty, I, think I think some of the shots are good. and like the physics simulation mm-hmm. quality of it and like the compositing that, is usually pretty pretty yeah. strong I, I yeah and i'm glad that you said physics simulation because you, you like when you see the original shot of it traveling along the river pushing all the boats and then even more so when you see it kind of wrecking its way through the city and there's cars flying everywhere it almost does look like a like an unreal engine like tech demo (laughs) yeah this is how many shooting a bunch of cars at a thing to see what happens in like gary's mod or something yeah exactly so there's a little (laughs) bit of that energy to some of the shots too yeah i just wish it was like overcast or Mm. just slightly dark or or something Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and, and even just in terms of of mood it's uh yeah. But. So as as this gets worse and worse, uh, the government's trying to decide how they should respond, and um, they're considering a military response now. So you've got like the um, Japanese Defense Force kind of sending helicopters, and these are Apache helicopters that are making their way. And um, they also do address the whole kind of post-war 
kind of Article 9 situation where yeah, yeah that's the, interesting. Japan's military is like kind of a, a defense force. So they're responding to things. So, so they're um, also concerned with collateral damage. And like this is the first time they're activating, you know, basically for war since since the war. So um, I can understand the weight behind a decision like that. And you see the pain in the prime minister. He's really kind of hesitant to make a decision on that. And sadly, that's kind of that's a bad thing. Right. And um. But finally, when you get to the point that something like that will happen, you've got some bystanders in the way and he decides to go against that. And actually, um, we should mention too right there, uh, just shortly before that, you've got our our creature is starting to change. So, um, yeah, it stops. he stands up on his hind legs. Yeah. And, and it's uh, like it's a real it's a real struggle to, to get up. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and then it it like does this this roar, and we get to see its its kind of mouth mm-hmm. um, with all like the gross like uh, th- this is a very another very Evangelion thing with like the mouth being like connected with like you can see the muscle and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's real gross. And it's interesting because there's like a a needle drop of the original score, but very faint in the mm-hmm. mix. It's kind of mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's cool when when you kind of hear it emerge. Tishi, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was wondering how those choices would land with you, Marty, because, yeah, I do think it, it's kind of cool. But also, it's like kind of like I was saying earlier, like when you when you hear stuff like that, you're really thinking of the original film. So I, I, I feel like Anno as a director, I mean, it's a very pointed choice to use that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you want to kind of differentiate yourself or you're revering something like that. I would kind of like be like, no, nah, I can't use that. That like. That's from that movie. It's well, cool. and I could totally see the mix level being this, uh, you know, longer conversation and seen as a compromise where maybe you tried initially and the effect you're talking about is too strong. It's like, wait a second, we're this is this is our movie. We don't just want to like you know create a reference or something. But mm. but yeah, it is. It's funny. It kind of it's in this sort of like auditory no man's land. And even like the, I feel like sometimes like when the classic sound effects are coming in. They'll sometimes yeah. be a little faint like that too, mm. and that's and that's we get to hear the roar, and it's just it's literally just the fifty four roar. It's I I feel like at some point someone had to have just said, "Hey, why don't we just try to do it again, and we just get another glove to drag across a bass stream <laughs> right, and right. see what that sounds like?" Yeah, because I feel like it always just uses the same one that was recorded, you know. <laughs> 60 years ago yeah or the yeah, like so, or the, like stretch like it a out wax a cylinder bit. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah they had to use <laughs> they had to wear gloves to <laughs> to record it for this episode <laughs> nice um but and and actually that was a cool thing that uh i think i think it was from the it was something that carlos shared but about the score the uh the composer said that whenever they were doing like calling back to the original score that they it they made it a mono mix instead of a stereo mix because they thought that the stereo mix didn't sound right mm. 
um to yeah, go with the music which, cool idea. which is yeah which is interesting and you really it is it i mean i guess if you're someone like me then you notice it but it is right, noticeable right. that it goes from from stereo to mono yeah because when i read that i was thinking like i feel like i feel like that wouldn't be that much of an effect but it, it's more than you think it's subtle but it's there yeah so with with that that roar um and the aborted attack um our creature runs off it escapes back into the water and now we're seeing the aftermath and the government kind of reeling from their lack of a response and uh uh yaguchi our our politician is is he's incentivized by seeing this destruction and um now we're introduced to another character as well so this is another kind of I guess kind of an Evangelion kind of situation where uh, we've got the United States sending a representative, and she she definitely does have some Oscar energy. Yeah, I think she's <laughs> I kind didn't, of a. I'd even think about that until just now, but yeah, yeah. she's like got like a combination of Oscar and Misato like kind of energy because she's kind of like this, yeah, I don't know she's she's a mover and shaker, but also she's yeah. kind of got this little kind of cute attitude going on. And she and it's funny because she's supposed to be an American envoy that's, you know, that's also Japanese. Uh, but it, it's I don't mean, it's pretty obvious that she's not a native English speaker. Yeah. Like she speaks English fine, but I feel like a an actual Japanese American person would speak it a little better than that. But uh, but yeah, or but like she's saying like, like stuff it, in English. The accenting would be slightly different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but she's um she's played by hang on it's played by Satomi Ishihara who's another uh, like a lot of our, our young actresses in Japan she's kind of a, a does everything kind of actress oh sure um but uh but yeah she's she, she's she is really good in this um she has a cool energy yeah, to it yeah totally um so the the, the thing about that though is. Um, once kind of America enters the equation, it's uh, what what's revealed is that this creature, when it arrived on land, Yaguchi forms this team, kind of a crackpot team of different specialists. And as they're deliberating on uh, what the creature was and and what it could do, and actually like what kind of energy would need to kind of exist, they fall upon the idea that it could be nuclear. And um, they also starting to see on social media that people are starting to realize that, too. So now that Kayoko shows up, you're starting to kind of see that the United States kind of has their own kind of motivations behind the situation as well. I wrote uh, later in, they say that like a new uh, there's like new elements and energy that's coming out of Godzilla. And that's why they think that the U.S. jumped on this. Yeah. I wrote okay. Godzilla is Godzilla is oil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> He's definitely oily. Which they don't. <laughs> <laughs> They don't really explore that too terribly much in the movie, but it is interesting the idea of the the U.S. wants to get get Godzilla so that they can use him to fuel cars. Yeah, no, but see, that'd be awesome if you had someone who's like I don't know, literally looks like Dick Cheney or something, and comes in and wants to. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> there, oh man, there's some there's some bad token white actors later in this. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> fun. And I mean the moments of English too, like you guys were mentioning, like. There's some really forced English interactions here that's like, ugh. All right. Yeah. Should let somebody else watch this and let you know if this was good or not first. Yeah. <laughs> but um I do like that we're seeing the um the Japanese cuts so you see the awesome Japanese subtitles during the English. Mm-hmm. Exchanges. Yeah, that's really like, fun. I, I always love that. Yeah, I think yeah, was 
the Wheels on Meals, the the Blu-ray that I yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. has the Japanese cut with that on the side. It's pretty fun. Um, uh, but I, I did want to mention a little bit about, like, some of the actors here. So, like, in that, like, little team, uh, I, I mentioned Oka, Ogashira. So that's uh, Mikako Ichikawa. She's a really cool actress that's shown up in a bunch of stuff. And actually, Ano worked with her before and uh, cutie honey there's a like a live action cutie honey from 2004 that shares some some a couple other actors in this film too um but uh shinya sukamoto who's a very notable japanese director he's one of the actors on this team too he's the guy with the pink uh towel around his neck oh oh um, yeah he's great yeah, he's awesome, and I mean, his movies are great too. And we haven't actually covered them, but we we did see him in a film I'm, on. The I'm podcast. sure we'll do Tetsuo the Iron Man at some point. Oh on yeah, this show for sure, that's, for sure. That's that's been one of those ones I wanted to dive into for a while. Yeah, there's so. a really great uh, Shinya Sukamoto Blu-ray set that's that's come out within the last year or two that that I have, and um, yeah, that's I think that's from Arrow. But um, we saw him in uh, Ichi the Killer. Actually, he shows up like towards the end of the oh, film, cool. and he's got like yeah. a fake. Oh, he's got a fake come. muscly body in that. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, the other one is. Uh, let's see. I got. I have it here. Man. So there's another guy. Um, he's got glasses. He's played by Kanji Suda. And I'm like, I recognize this dude. And when I looked him up, the reason that I know him is from Juon. He's like the the, oh. the father figure that kind of is the inciting like murder of the kind of oh, grudge. Wow. Gotcha. He, he plays that character in that, so that's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun things. And then um, when uh, Kayoko is sharing her information with Yaguchi, she gives him a file with Goromaki, who is the man that went missing on this boat. They're trying to figure out information yeah. about him. But... Um, the picture of Goromaki is actually a picture of Kihachi Okamoto, who's a director that's been a big influence on Anno. And um, he's oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he's the director of Sword of Doom. Oh, oh, awesome. dude, wow, classic, yeah, which is really fun. So yeah, you know, just little stuff like that, and even Goromaki, that name is an Easter egg itself. There's been a couple of characters over the years in Godzilla films named that. So yeah, there's all these little breadcrumbs you can follow yeah. if you're a fan. And I think that's also whenever they whenever they actually name him Godzilla, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because they actually say Godzilla in English first before yeah. saying Gojira. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of a back and forth here because she gives him the U.S. file and it says Godzilla. And then she mm-hmm. says that Goro named him Gojira. And yeah. it's actually that also calls back to the original film because yeah. it's an yeah. Odo, Odo, Island Odo Island dialect yeah. that that that's that term mm-hmm. comes from. So yeah, that's a nice yeah. little nod. That's really fun. So nice that the the fans of subtitles tell you that. <laughs> oh which, yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is which is pretty cute. <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's whenever they say that it's like basically illegal illegal radioactive dumping, and that one in the in the bay is what kind of created this creature. Yeah, which is also kind of a different thing too. You, you. I mean, I don't want to be so critical of the plot, but you would think that uh, with this being kind of a a take on Fukushima and the the or you know just kind of the the kind of nuclear origins of Godzilla, you would think that would kind of play more of an important message to what Godzilla is. But it's it's kind of like a thing that's like, oh, that's just how it happened. And it's kind of like a scary thing that it's like, oh, he fed off of nuclear waste. 
but it doesn't pay kind of an importance to where the film goes and where it ends. So sure, I don't know. Sure. It's just kind of like, oh, we have to come up with an origin. All right, Godzilla has to have something to do with nuclear stuff. So let's make this happen. And I think that okay. also I- the idea of it touching on like the U.S. kind of handing meddling in that is kind of a weird thing too that they don't really kind of play on in a major way but i'm like why why did you do that if it's like not really that important to where the -hmm. film goes i just hope that's the last criticism we're gonna hear from you because it's it's hard for me to hear (laughs) i love my baby yeah no i i do love the the movie but yeah here here we are (laughs) honestly it's it's cool whenever a movie makes you conflicted within yourself Mm. about it because yeah for sure i think that's because that's always interesting feels you know yeah exactly he's not sure he's like should i destroy this i don't know (laughs) no it's it's like you whenever you watch a movie where you don't know 100 percent how you feel after watching it i don't know that's kind of cool because you're like totally agree i don't you know i love watching a movie where at the end of it i'm like hell yeah that movie ruled but um and you know sometimes it's fun to also watch a movie where you're like wow that sucked yeah yeah. But whenever you watch the movie, you're like, I just, I don't know, because yeah, I don't I know mean, that that's what that's what prompts the most interesting uh, conversations. Yeah, and it can bring you into yourself because you're like, mm. I don't know why I don't know, and it's like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's how a lot of us kind of. It's really a doorway into learning about art and to, yeah, learning about our own subconscious sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. we're here talking about movies all the time, and I get the most enjoyment out of movies talking about it with the people that I like. So like when oh, yeah, Joanna totally. and I, you Who's know, that? like when we watch a movie or when, you know, Give we're talking a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you nice. wanted to quit, you could just tell. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. run <laughs> off with these That's other awesome. boys. Yeah. Uh, we're getting more breadcrumbs too with Goromaki's file. So um, Kayoko also shares this kind of huge, like cryptograph with, the, yeah. the team and it looks like super complicated and they're like i don't know how the hell we're gonna figure this out but they're i thought they were gonna have to put on 3d glasses it does look it like it. there's like this kind of rgb <laughs> separation there that it looks like yeah. oh man if i use a thing or like a magic eye you guys remember yeah. those? <laughs> yeah they had oh, to dude, cross their eyes to magic eye. <laughs> learn how to stop godzilla yeah that'd be great <laughs> they take breaks because they keep getting headaches trying to do it yeah that's fun there is one cool bit where the movie kind of kind of slows down uh, because we're just showing everyone yeah, is just yeah. completely wiped. Everyone's so tired. Um, and like they're trying to they're like sending texts to their family talking about how they're <laughs> going to spend another night at the office. And one of them has some onigiri that made me hungry for onigiri. Oh, yeah, that's right. And there is also a little cameo in one of these scenes, too, where we see this kind of she looks like a maid or like kind of a food service person she gives uh yaguchi some tea and the lady is played by heidi katagiri who's very well known for japanese television but she's done some films too and like i was mentioning before she's also in uh cutie honey in this like really wild role where she's all made up like a tokusatsu villain it's pretty great oh cool but now godzilla is re-emerged and he's in his uh third form is this third form, I guess? This fourth is the form. fourth form. This is the fourth yeah, form. Yeah, so the first form is the just the tail. <laughs> which I yeah, know yeah we don't funny. we don't see the full yep. first form. Yep. And the second form is the the wiggling on the ground. Kamataku. And then yeah. the third and then the third form is it standing upright. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this is the fourth form. It is like child it's... development, like you crawling <laughs> yeah. and then walking and then yeah, kind of. Oh, totally. And then leaving you, and you're and heartbroken. Then you're, then you're knocking over buildings, <laughs> shooting lasers out of your mouth. I don't know anything about kids, so. Um, when when he shows up, Terrible though, tooth. you can you can see the scale here. He's much larger now, and mm-hmm. uh, very. And gr- his tail is wild. Yeah, I love honestly. The tail is my favorite part of this Godzilla design. Oh, I like. Yeah, that is. Cool. It's it's doing because that's something that is like you could do that with. Uh, with physical stuff. Sorry, Buju just hopped up on the desk. Mm, nice. um, tails, that's something that you, you say. Yeah, yeah, tails. You say, yeah. That's something that you could do with a with a physical model, but it's a lot easier to do. Get, get really weird with it whenever it's CG, mm-hmm. which is yeah, cool. That's, that's, a, it's that's nice a great to play point. With yeah, it really. It's kind of a sh- uh, yeah showstopper here. I I love that your take is the tail though because. Joanna, one of the recent times when we were watching it, Joanna mentioned that, oh, he's he's wagging his tail like a mischievous cat. You know, the cat just sitting still waiting to pounce or something and his tail's just moving around. That's totally what Godzilla is doing as he's stomping through. But yeah, he looks so, so grotesque. He's he looks like molten rock in some ways. And um, he looks very like. I don't know. He looks like he shouldn't be able to move. Uh, he's got these jagged teeth, and he still has that. I, I almost feel like the eye is the same size as when it was smaller. Just now, he's huge because he has this like very beady little eye that it's kind of unnerving when you see it. And the there's a lot of from the ground shots Love in those. these scenes yeah. which those are cool that's another really good mm. thing that's using the strengths of cg yeah where it's like you can see the perspective of just how huge the tail is sure yeah, yeah that that street level shot of the tail passing over like a, a village basically uh i love that shot so much and there's a couple of shots with him like pov from the street as like if you were in a train or in a car, so you kind of see like in the foreground stuff passing by and just how slow he's moving in comparison is, it's really, really fun. And now they have just so many tanks, (laughs) so many tanks lined up to try to do anything to stop Godzilla. Uh, And to jump ahead a little bit, it all fails. Yeah. It's, it's really cool here how you see kind of, now they're overcompensating with a military response. So um, they are, you know, initially take just tanks and then they're starting to use their helicopters. And there's some really, I mean, also kind of unnerving shots of Godzilla just taking fire to his head and to his feet. And he just kind of, um, I guess the, the term would be a no sell, right? In wrestling. <laughs> where yeah. He's just like, yeah. it doesn't phase him at all. Um, I do, yeah, Marty was talking about how, like, all these daytime shots, some of them work, some of them don't. I th- I think all of this stuff really works for me in this sequence. Cool. And, um, yeah, seeing these rocket firing, like, from such a far distance, like, there's a shot where it looks like, you know, you see Mount Fuji, that's how far away they are from the city that they're shooting these rockets. And um, then there's some fighter jets, I think they're F-18s, um, dropping these heavy artillery like bombs and uh, there's some huge explosions with that and um they're understanding that this thing is basically indestructible and um godzilla really doesn't have to do anything he honestly really doesn't do much in the whole film 
but um <laughs> when he does he makes accounts he makes account mm-hmm. and um uh one of the tank operators here is an interesting cast too because um so we started with shin godzilla but this kind of evolved into a a shin kind of series of films uh series of films that aren't related but they're kind of related thematically so there's shin ultraman shin common rider and i think the fourth shin um is the the shin evangelion film like the rebuild the fourth film falls into the shin series as well but um the tank operator would become the lead in the shin ultraman film and they he's unnamed in this movie i believe oh, cool but um they don't it's just a similar cast so the there's similar cast members in a handful of these films but the films are completely unrelated and also so again a cool thing that the the subtitles calls out is that sheen means a couple of different things oh yeah and nice, yeah. it can depend on if it's the kanji mm. or like which kanji it is um, but it purposefully uses, uh, is it katakana or hiragana? Um, it's it's katakana for sure. It's katakana, yeah. So it's katakana open for sheen. To so interpretation. It's just, yeah. So what it means, but a lot of times sheen just means new. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it can also mean like what God or it can be new like or it can be true or it can be like God. And actually, the yeah. reason that I know that is because of Street Fighter, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Shin Akuma is like the true form of Akuma, and he's like yeah. always oh, sure. like a huge like boss version of himself. And um, that's when I originally found out what Shin uh, or how they yeah. handle Shin. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind um, of fun. But yeah, so you can you can read it as new you know, new Godzilla, but yep. it's, it's cool to have it. The kind of ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, and again, the fan subs like the... help to spell that context. Yeah. Up too. Yeah. And it'd be, that'd be really funny if it was called new Godzilla. Cause <laughs> it just makes me think of like the, the, the new Nintendo 3DS XL or whatever. <laughs> or like yeah. a n- new Coke. This is like the, the, the Godzilla they wanted everybody to like, but nobody likes him. Um, so after this initial response, we see that Godzilla can't be stopped by these measly weapons. So um, now they're calling in aid from the U.S. Originally, when they were talking about it, they were saying, oh, can we just call the U.S.? But um, they mentioned in the film that based on, you know, the, the regulations, the Constitution, Japan has to respond first. Then the U.S. can come in to help them. And they do. They send in some stealth bombers with the bunker buster yeah. bombs. And we're seeing and that night is falling now. So um, slowly yeah. but surely, Godzilla is making his way into Tokyo, and it's getting darker. And we see yeah. that you know that that red that you see on his body is yeah. is, is glowing now. And I was gonna say he does look a lot cooler at night because oh, yeah. he has this this red kind of emanating off of him. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like he has like a collar of red. Yeah. Yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah, it looks really cool because there's this kind of trail of smoke behind him. And as he's walking through, he's actually kind of, he's the light source because he's taking out the power grid. Right. And right. you see him lighting himself, which is really exciting. And um, they get word that there's an incoming strike from the U.S. military and they have to immediately evacuate the area because it's going to be a huge swath of damage to, in order to take out Godzilla and um even the the cabinet we see has to kind of flee and they're making their way the prime minister is a little bit reluctant but he's ordered to leave for the sake of the country 
and him and some of his cabinet members are entering a helicopter to leave and Yaguchi and his assistant they plan to leave by car so they're separated and that's kind of a very specific (laughs) choice and um, once those bombers show up they do damage Godzilla and you see for the first time that Godzilla is reacting to Mm. an attack and um his he hates it yeah he he's not very happy so as everybody's evacuating um you're starting to see their points of views and you see godzilla actually his body is starting to change a color of purple and he's starting to activate basically and um he first starts to spew a a huge plume of smoke and that refines into a flame that that flame alone destroys so much of the city. And then that flame refines even further into like a high pitched uh, laser. And um, that laser is completely devastating to the city. So this creature that you saw that was kind of innocently walking through the city, causing a lot of damage, understandably, now has been turned into basically the most terrifying weapon that you could find in the middle of Tokyo. And I definitely want to call out how uh, beautiful some of these sequences look. Mm. Um, It's definitely like wallpaper worthy. And yeah, I think just this mix of colors is something uh, really fresh when at at least just taking the little like uh, sampling of Godzilla movies we've been watching recently. And um, also really love that shot where you see um, the skyline kind of, uh, with all that just kind of glowing flame uh, mm. in the background. And yeah. Great. An interesting thing here too, because we, we've talked about the 98 Godzilla film. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, that's Emmerich, right? I, I would say that the images that you see in the oh, yeah, sequence very Emmerichian. <laughs> are totally, I, I feel like this is the most Emmerich Independence Day style destruction that we've ever seen yeah. in a Godzilla film, even including the one by Emmerich himself, which is yeah. kind of an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and as Godzilla is just completely destroying all of these these parts of Tokyo, it's literally just showing you in the bottom. This is yep. like this is this location that's getting destroyed, mm-hmm. yeah. and it is funny in the subtitle and the the these fan subs because it's like it's this district. This is a famous shopping district in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, which I appreciate like the movie. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's context, which I but, I appreciate, yeah. but it is but yeah. it is a lot of a lot of reading, but it's it's very cool, and like you said, it is very Roland Emmerich. It's very like a man famous landmark getting destroyed yep yeah mm-hmm. and i but, do think um, that it intercutting here is pretty effective mm. um just yeah when we see kind of like our bureaucrats hold up and in mm. contrasting against that against like all of godzilla's destruction yeah i think this is like this is like a sweet spot of the movie for me oh yeah i, I definitely think this is kind of like the centerpiece of the the whole film and um seeing it in the theater not knowing that this was going to happen and then seeing it happen was pretty exciting it was like whoa <laughs> that's awesome yeah and the score too i think that um i think the yeah, track is yeah, called will nice. i know Actually, all of the, like in Persecution of the Masses and in Will I Know, the, the lyrics are all in English. And actually, if you see the lyrics for this, you could almost interpret it as Godzilla is speaking. <laughs> the the mm-hmm. lyrics 
and um oh that's sweet yeah it's it's kind of cool but yeah we 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 see this beam you know erupt from godzilla and his mouth does kind of like the split jaw situation which is an extra level of creepy and um beyond that though he he can shoot beams from his dorsal fins which is something that's never happened in the movies too where i think this Anno like putting his little i'm gonna one-up godzilla by you know doing this which is kind of funny and it looks kind of cool it looks kind of weird it's like oh this is like a ultimate this is my ultimate version my fan oc of godzilla (laughs) that can shoot beams from his (laughs) back he shoots lasers from his back and and he's got big tail (laughs) and yeah there's a little bit of that but um Mm -hmm. it's really cool Uh, i i think the scene is it is it's really effective and um yeah we also um like we mentioned when we're starting to discuss the film all of the prime minister's cabinet that was with him they're they're all killed you see that helicopter uh taking off and it's consumed by the beam as well Mm -hmm. and then godzilla takes a little nap (laughs) because he's all tuckered out yeah. from that big attack. Right, they've they've come to the conclusion that because this creature is kind of a nuclear powered creature, it will expend energy and then it needs to kind of rest. So, a, a huge consumption of energy like this, now Godzilla is basically hibernating and for the for much of the rest of the film, he's just kind of sitting there and they're just First, they're reeling from the disaster, and then they're trying to force their way into a solution. And the main kind of like conflict for the for this last act of the movie is essentially the U.S. and the U.N. basically say, "Hey, this thing could literally destroy the world, so we're going to nuke it." And everyone's right. and everyone's agreed that we're going to nuke it. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Japanese people are like, "We really don't want you to nuke us. We're going to try to find a solution." <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, originally, Yaguchi had a plan that he came up with with his team that, with Godzilla being the the way that Godzilla is put together, they could come up with a way to basically coagulate him and kind of freeze him it's like a freezing operation they originally called it the yaguchi plan and he has like a funny line where it's like i like the plan i just don't like the name (laughs) and um now (laughs) they basically like you said with with the kind of threat of a nuclear attack now they're incentivized to really push forward this operation and yeah i I, i'm kind of with you guys we can really i mean this ends up the scene is like basically the hour little after the hour mark in the movie but the last act is really kind of them trying to force their way through it. There's a bit of political kind of back and forth, but then it's also them putting this team together. Oh, most of the team that they had already had survived and um, really trying to get this operation to work. So I do think that the kind of the third act is a little clumsy. And um, I, I feel like I'm with you guys if you just kind of want to we can breeze through this back half and get towards mm. like the finale. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Kayoko is still around, like I said before, and this whole like situation with Goromaki, like the kind of mystery behind what his deal was and what he originally wanted to do. And basically what you end up finding out is that, that, that cryptograph was basically revealing that Godzilla is something of a, I think they call it a mixotroph where he can 
absorb energy and convert it into something else. So then they're worried that this operation that they now call it Operation Yashiori. And Yashiori yeah. is named after the the sake that they use to put the Yamato no Orochi to sleep. So it's kind of calling to mythology. Yeah, kind of mythology. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of fun. I, I like that a but lot. And yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, we we talked about Yamato no Orochi and the GMK episode because Ghidorah is tied to that. And actually, yeah. in our next episode, is this a spoiler? Yeah. We're going to be talking about a lot more next week. Yeah, so, so we won't get into that too that. much. But um, yeah, that's that's really fun. I like that it's named that. And um, yeah. the the team and the way that they kind of figure out the figure out the notes is by folding the big piece of paper like origami. Yeah. Uh, which which is cool because you you see that at the very beginning that on Goromaki's boat he was had origami like cranes around yeah so. and the the whole idea too is that Goromaki was uh, like a a biologist in Japan and um he was I guess he was a little wild and he left he left to work in the United States and then he was put in charge of a this program where you find out that like we mentioned earlier there's the nuclear waste so he's cataloging this and then he realized that there was like a, a creature that was feeding off of this so one he understand he understood the idea of this kind of thing two his wife died from radioactive illness so he's incentivized to kind of act against it and he right. also kind of pointed towards Japan as a country for hap for this happening to his wife, so he kind of had kind of a, a an axe to grind, and um, at the very beginning of the film, you find out that 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 was his boat, and you, you kind of find out that he like killed himself, but uh, you also kind of understand that he may have been the one to unleash Godzilla to begin with, so he may have like placed him in the waters to evolve and then attack the country but he also left all these breadcrumbs he basically wanted japan to find a way to stop him also which is kind of weird it's like you got this yeah. sarazawa like an evil sarazawa situation right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um that's all stuff that if you're just kind of breezing through the movie you might not really pay attention to but if you're taking notes for a podcast you'll pay attention to it <laughs> <laughs> so i was like oh that was, true. was happening <laughs> that's a recommended way to watch this movie is yeah. like you're preparing for, preparing yeah, for a totally. podcast to talk about it yeah reading subtitles and pausing and then taking notes for 20 minutes yeah. and then unpausing and then five minutes later pausing again and taking more yeah. notes <laughs> or yeah. or you just watch it, take a couple of notes, and then rely on <laughs> your buddy Carlos <laughs> yeah. to do all the notes. Yeah, nice. Because right. you know that he's going to do it. That's funny. Um, the <laughs> That's other the, the key to a successful podcast. Uh, the other thing uh, that we should say is that this is kind of more of a more than Japan involved in the solution. Now they're yeah. going, they're reaching out. Yeah, to other that's countries. really. That's really neat. We get to see them kind of work with, of course, the French, because the Japanese love the French in, <laughs> in these movies. Nice. Um, they work with the French um, and Germany to yeah. to kind of help buy some time and get some computing power so that they can create this solution and create enough of it in time mm -hmm. before <laughs> before the UN drops a nuke on them. Yep. Um, and they do also, it's not like the U.S. is actively fighting against this because the U.S. provides drones to help, uh, like distract Godzilla, um, right. while they do this, uh, while they do this stuff. So, 
well, well, they they execute this plan, and this plan is completely bonkers, <laughs> and it's it's a really fun part of the movie. Yeah, so this is like what uh, the worst dentist appointment ever. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So um, yeah, instead of laughing gas, we have drones and <laughs> train bombs getting sent at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we mentioned we've got all the these these different pressures. So um, uh, Yaguchi and his team are um, really pushed to successfully do this operation, but they also have to get approval. So they have to basically get everything ready and then present it to the acting prime minister. And um, the the line that you see a lot is one of the first lines you see in the movie, and it's what Goromaki wrote on the the Manila folder, and it's basically do as you like. So um, yeah, they're they're acting on their own as a country in order to stop this disaster before the UN can attack. So they, you know, even Akasaka, the uh, he's like the kind of like mentor figure to Yaguchi. He he says that to the prime minister too, and um. Yeah, so they they move forward with Operation Yashiori. So it's yeah, it's this crazy thing where okay, first we're gonna piss Godzilla off, and the <laughs> the the way we're gonna do that is by loading trains with like explosive and just yeah. ramming it right into him, which is yeah. that so that crazy. is definitely a feels like you're smashing your toys together <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of shy. Yeah, yeah. And this um, is also and then, a and daytime they... sequence too. It is, and that's that's probably the worst CG in the movie. Is whenever Godzilla's whipping around yeah. with the explosions, it doesn't look very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they do controlled explosives on the skyscrapers nearby mm-hmm. to like fall on top of Godzilla, and then that's when the drones come in to bomb him. It's so that he expends all of the all of the uh, atomic blast on them. Yeah, and he does even more. Uh, abilities here so he does the beam he does the back beam but then you see that his tail who the the tail they've kind of been teasing that there's some other stuff going on like throughout the film while while godzilla is in stasis you see that there's a little chink that like kind of chink like and there's yeah. a movement on the tail but um you see here that it can also shoot its own beam so um he's got the you know a lot of beams going on and he's destroying a lot of buildings around but yeah he's expending his energy and he ends up um collapsing under the the, the exploded buildings and once that happens now they're starting to enact their coagulant operation so they have all these like cement trucks filled with this coagulant with the long extension arms and they yeah like i said it's like a dentist they're 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 going into his mouth, applying this coagulant, and um, yeah. it's actually like this crazy thing where Godzilla gets defeated like hardcore in this sequence. Yeah. It's something where I don't know. Like I see this film, and you kind of—I mean, you shouldn't feel bad for Godzilla, but you kind of do feel bad for Godzilla because what was he doing? Like Godzilla shows up, <laughs> right. he's just doing his own thing, and yeah, he's mm-hmm. a problem. And I mean. It's a bad thing that he's destroying. Yeah, it's all more stuff, like, but... why'd you put those skyscrapers there? Yeah, right. I just feel <laughs> like he has no character. He's just doing what he does. Yeah, he's he's a force of nature. Yeah, and it, Godzilla gets owned hard here. He like he takes out a, a section of these cement trucks, but then they are able to knock him down again, and uh, they are completely successful. They administer all the coagulant and Godzilla gets frozen mid-roar and that's 
That's our success in yeah. this operation. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it is cool. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love at one point, whenever all this is happening, uh, uh Yuguchi just says, please work. <laughs> Which, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, he gets, he gets frozen and, uh, it, it is cool that they kind of dunk on Godzilla in this scene because it's, it's a thing that happens in a lot of anime where, like a villain is so difficult to defeat that it's kind of just like exhausting. Mm. And it's like, yeah. okay, he can't be completely impervious. Like that's just, that's kind of like, that's almost boring if he's just completely like, there's no weaknesses at all. Um, so it's cool whenever it's like, okay, they figured out the things that worked and they're just leaning into it, which it, it makes it a little more satisfying. And our last little indicator is a beautiful tail um, shot too, which is, Yes, I guess that's not the last indicator. I'm remembering it wrong. Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean that that shot's really important though because as they're um, analyzing Godzilla as a being, they're realizing that he's like this ultimate evolving creature, and they even speculate that he can propagate. So um, there, you you see a couple of shots where the military are looking at like remains that have been cast off, and uh, they analyze those and understand that that could in itself evolve into a Godzilla and um they tease you at the end of the film with this tail shot and it it shows I mean if you look at it you can see that it was kind of I don't know like an like an egg where there was it was bursting out with these creatures and um this yeah. is a potential like other form of Godzilla that they were preventing that could have really spelled the end of humanity because these are like humanoid looking yeah beings. and there's a bunch of them it's like a it's like a spider egg or something yeah that's all these things coming out of it yeah that's a smarter way to say it um this that's (laughs) the only practical um effect of godzilla in the film and that's designed by takayuki takeyasu he's um for me i i always remember hearing that name there was like a really cool line of action figures of kamen rider where they were all redesigned in a really kind of cool kind of adult more horror looking way it was called the SIC like figure line and um he designed all of those figures and he's got a really cool artistic sense and um yeah he he designed and sculpted that that tail yeah oh, and it's it's good it's good for cuz it's it lingers on the shot or you get to see it um yeah you're like what like oh crap yeah cuz I, <laughs> I was watching i was like what yeah. what's going on yeah it's awesome um, and then of course it closes with our classic our classic godzilla theme yeah the whole credit run i think is all um, well, I think there's a track from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, the the mm-hmm. Heisei era, um, mm-hmm. Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Um, other than that, it's all, um, uh, well, I guess that was Ifukube too. That, so it's, yeah, it's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah. He, yep. he was there for that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's Shin Godzilla. Again, it's it's a perfect a perfect way to close out our arc uh because it is it's also revisiting we've we've seen Godzilla the original Godzilla revisited a couple of times but this is probably one of the most straight up what if Godzilla happened for the first time but mm-hmm. you know today today being you know <laughs> 8 years ago but <laughs> yeah um, totally and this kind of reclaiming like a fresh Godzilla reboot like from the west um back mm-hmm. into this other this other perspective which is yeah, really interesting project. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, I'm really excited that we were able to 
talk about i mean honestly all of these this was like such a carlos indulgence thing and i'm just so glad that you guys were riding this wave the whole time and Mm -hmm. um even if like i suspected marty wouldn't like all of them well actually what's (laughs) crazy i i I kind of wonder i think in an alternate universe where um i i wasn't exposed to the movies we just watched there's a chance i might have been more into it Mm. like my strongest impulse was really more as like a defender of some of the other films which is it's like Mm. you know something along the lines of like wait you think they didn't actually balance like bureaucracy and human emotion and godzilla adventure well like Mm. you're crazy yeah um it was more that kind of that was probably like my prevailing thought and um, and what you know, not crazy about the cinematography and the, and the look of the movie, but there too is it's like, I'm like, oh, Bialante looks, yeah, you know, effing amazing. Yeah. And I was gonna say, I think, I think the the standout here was Bialante. I wasn't definitely not expecting to love that movie as much as I did. I yeah, yeah my, same here. It's my favorite right of you. the ones that we did here. That fills me with joy. <laughs> That's so <laughs> awesome. Good. Yep. Uh, yeah, this this whole summer has been so cool, and it's just so cool how, like I've talked about before, all of this stuff kind of lining up in a weird way with G-Fest, and now there's a new Godzilla film coming out, and me being able to share these movies with you guys, and actually a lot of the feedback that we've been getting from our listeners yeah. has been really fun. And honestly, yeah, Shin, awesome. Shin Godzilla has been the most requested of all of the Godzilla films, so yeah, I think even from the first episode where we were talking about 54 people already were asking are you guys gonna do shin are you guys gonna do shin so um mm-hmm. yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed this yep. episode with us and our different takes and also i've a discord that i'm a part of uh a lot of the guys there are huge godzilla fans so they've been excited to listen through that's all awesome. this stuff so so, I'm, so shout I'm out ready, to you guys ready, you, ready to be doxxed and um exactly <laughs> yeah but yeah, this uh, this has been super fun, and it's it's obviously all the one all the movies we do kind of makes me want to branch out more. But a few more than this have made me want to branch out to watch more kaiju movies. Oh, that's so cool. I need to I need to do that. I need to do a lot of things. But oh man, <laughs> uh, it, there's so much out there too. And like I said, we uh, covered yeah, and there's because there's in there's like eras. forty. Yeah, there's like forty Godzilla movies, but then there's also the all of like the. You know, there's Rodan movies mm. and Megalon and uh, yeah. Mothra and King Ghidorah <laughs> and you know. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, every not not every monster that shows up in a Godzilla has their own movie, but uh, especially at, at the beginning, you know, you've got mm. Honda doing his thing with other original movies that would end up being folded. I I really like the original Rodan. I mean, and the original Mothra, but. Um, yeah, it's not just Toho. It's other companies too. Gamera exists on its own yep. side, like timeline of varying degrees of quality. And yeah, as I say, then there's all the people that are riffing off of that that yeah. are trying to capture the Godzilla magic, and mm-hmm. um, which actually that made me go down a rabbit hole rewatching some Mystery Science Theater. So, oh great, yeah, um, and it's a worldwide thing too. You know, like. Um, I think a while ago I was talking to Marty that there's there's like an Indian like monster movie that I want to see. I haven't been able to see it. I forget what mm-hmm. the name is right now, but um, there's the <laughs> Pulgasari, which is like this Korean thing that has its own like crazy like stuff going on. And um, yeah, it's it's really exciting. I mean, 
and seeing how the West answers to the East and then the kind of back and forth yeah. that exists in yeah. kaiju films as well. And it's still ongoing. And there's yeah. there's fun, weird takes on uh, the, that stuff, too, where they're kind of, you know, pulling from different mythologies. There's like troll films and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. There was that one with um, it was like kind of like a I forget what it's called, but it was um was it Anne Hathaway or somebody? She was like a. She finds out that she's connected to a monster. Yeah, and... yeah. We uh, we ended up watching that movie last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yeah. I... Anyways, I you know there's stuff yeah, like anyways, that. that cool. You can... Yeah. Colossal. Cool Colossal. Colossal. Thank you. It's called. Yeah. Jason yeah. Sudeikis is in there. Yes. As well. Right. And that wow. that was fun. I've. I have not thought about that movie since I saw a trailer for it probably in 2015. Wow. Yeah, I would say stick with stick with the trailer probably. Like <laughs> it, 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 it gives you everything. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Everything, everything about want. the premise that's really interesting, and I yep. think it's enough for your imagination to kind of yep. go off. Or um, movie. have you guys seen Cloverfield? Did you guys? Like oh yeah ride the wave of oh, that yeah, when that yeah. came out oh yeah i i i watched that because mm-hmm. that came out when i was in high school i think yeah. and i Some... i remember i remember enjoying it it's mm-hmm. i'm sure it's one that if i revisited now i'd be like eh, okay but yeah i remember having a good it's time cool with it it's a cool theater. idea yep. and before we get too far away of it one of the weird korean godzilla knockoffs that they did on mst3k is yongari yongari um, yeah and yongari mm-hmm. yeah that's they say yongari mm-hmm. in the movie because you know much of midwestern guys no, but fine. that's from one of the that's from one of the uh, netflix seasons mm. and it's probably my favorite from that run so. capsule. Capsule. capsule 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 come in come in please capsule come in did you try yelling capsule that sometimes works capsule come in what do you think is the matter with him where is he capsule yeah there's a ton of fun to find with all of this stuff and honda would go beyond you know that he would do like science fiction stuff. i mentioned gorath i think gorath is really cool it's like about this planet like entering the solar system and the earth realizing that it's a threat and having to figure out a solution or the world will be destroyed yeah there's just a ton of fun stuff to look up if if you like godzilla yeah, there's awesome. like a lot more out there that will really kind of tick those same boxes for you well let's uh anything else sir we don't close this out Ah, that's that's it. I I talked about cool. minus one. I talked about the monsterverse, which also is kind mm-hmm. of a fun, weird take. And you know, in the same way, you have people that really like these things, and then people that mm-hmm. are really like what the heck. And there are some decisions in there where kind of you're like, wait, you don't really understand Godzilla, but also this is like mm-hmm. a big sure. dumb wrestling situation because yeah. um, the idea of like how the atomic bomb relates to godzilla in the monster verse is like <laughs> kind of messed up that because like the whole idea is that in the monster verse they're like these ancient beings these titans basically mm-hmm. and um the original like castle bravo like nuclear test isn't something that creates godzilla it's something that they're trying to like kill godzilla with <laughs> and it's like whoa like come on guys if you're, yeah. you're American filmmaking yeah. this, like, don't do that. Like, just don't. Right. And then, like, in King of the Monsters, which also is, like, I love that movie, but, like, I understand that it's really stupid in a lot of ways. They actually, like, there's a moment where they use, like, a nuclear bomb to, like, re-energize Godzilla. <laughs> and it's like, come on, guys. Like, don't do not do that, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, 
at the same time, like King Ghidorah in that film looks amazing. Rodan in that movie has like one of the coolest kaiju intros in any film I've seen. It's like insane, but it's also like really dumb cartoon shit. <laughs> oh yeah, but some Godzilla is dumb cartoon shit That's too. Right. So it's it's all there's a lot of different things that can all be just as easily described as Godzilla. Yeah, you know. Yep. Which is cool. Very true. Speaking of cartoon shit. Yeah, let's say. Well, well, first, let's get some plugs out of the way, and then we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you so much for checking us out. If you liked it, then leave us a review on whatever you're listening to this on, like Apple Podcasts. I think they do like questions on Spotify now. There's so if you have a question weird, for yeah. us, do it on Spotify or send us an email at here is the number three podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and we do have a blue sky. We haven't done anything on there, but you know, um, if you're like me and you're trying to get away from Twitter desperately, um, <laughs> then we'll probably figure out some stuff there. Um, but we're at here is the number three podcast on all three of them. Uh, so yes, we are we are done with our Godzilla size Godzilla arc, um, and now uh, we're going to be doing something connected but very different. So I'm very excited for this. So Carlos, what is our training for next week? Yeah, we've been bridging our arcs with animation, and uh, I wanted to have this as a chance to talk about a, a feature from uh, 1963 that I greatly enjoy called The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon. This is one of the earliest animated features to come from Japan. I believe it's like the fourth or fifth or sixth toy animation feature. And it has music by Akira Ifukube. So we are relating it here. And I mean, obviously with the Eight-Headed Dragon, we've got Mm -hmm. some connective tissue. And um, I mean... when it comes to the video game world also is kind of an exciting thing because stylistically it was very influential for something that would come decades later, but we'll have fun talking about this feature and I have a feeling Marty will like this one more. (laughs) (laughs) No, looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, until next week, we're taking a look at the little prince and the eight headed dragon. I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. We are the heroes three. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.